Welcome to the Fi Investors Podcast, helping you achieve financial independence through real estate investing, one episode at a time. We talk about personal finance, mindset, and real estate investing. Whether you're a rookie or looking to scale your portfolio, we're here to provide you with the tactics and actionable steps to achieve your goals. Here are your hosts, Diego Corzo and Ward Mahoney. All right, welcome to the Fi Investors Podcast. Today, I am going to be the host of the podcast. Ward is not here with me right now. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Roberto Green. Roberto, he's a great friend of mine. He has flipped multiple properties. He has a portfolio of over 10 rental properties. And today, he's going to be sharing all about his flipping experience what he did to grow also his portfolio the different sessions that that we had uh to help him brainstorm on how he could fund deals how he could uh grow his rental portfolio so it's gonna be super exciting he's also gonna be talking about the most recent property that he bought in puerto rico the villa and the million dollar view that it has so i'm super excited for him to share his story sorry from humble beginnings to now uh, being a super successful flipper so i am super excited for this podcast also for anybody that has been listening to the podcast please leave us a rating a review it really helped us with the algorithm we will love to see what you have to talk about, uh, what you have to say about the podcast. Any feedback will be greatly appreciated. And also for anybody that's looking to achieve financial independence, anybody that's looking to get started, uh, we have put together a six-day email course called the call six keys to financial independence and you can go to keys2fi.com. That is keys2fi.com. You, all you need to do is put in your email and you'll be getting amazing content. It It's like freaking 25 pages of content that we put together for you completely free so that you can take action in achieving financial independence. And without further ado, let's get to Roberto. What is up, Roberto? How are you today? Welcome to the Fi Investors Podcast. Awesome, Diego. Happy to be on board. Thank you for yeah. having me. Of course, of course, dude. Um, I I know a lot of your journey. You have an incredible story uh, from starting from humble beginnings. Uh, I got to meet you in Puerto Rico back in uh, October of 2021 um, with Paul and Yanira. We were over there. You guys were giving me a tour of Puerto Rico. Um, we connected and then we became friends right away, uh, especially because of the real estate uh, that all the real estate conversations that we had and, uh, dude, it's been, it's been a journey and discussing all of your real estate goals that you've had and seeing you taking action has been super inspiring. And I know that this is definitely going to be, uh, super helpful for the audience to learn about your story, see how you're investing, how you've grown your portfolio, how you're flipping properties too, and also your recent purchase in Puerto Rico. So we're going to talk all about that. This is going to be an amazing podcast episode. Um, so Roberto, thank you very much for being here. We'll, we, I want to get started, uh, with, um, how you got started back in the day a little bit of your story just to give the audience a bit of the background and go from there awesome Dale. thank you 
So I won't go too deep into my life, but I'll give you guys like different highlights, right? So I always start my story with I became a father at a very young age. So at the age of 20, um, I became a father. I had my son. Uh, by the age of 21, I was married with a child. So you can imagine at 20, when, you know, when most kids are partying, going to college, you know, I actually had to drop out of college. I worked three jobs. I worked at a supermarket, a retail store, and I was delivering newspapers with Paul, actually. Um, and that's how we connected through a program. So I started my journey there. It was very difficult. Um, I had to move to my family to my mother's house. So there was a lot that I was going through uh, mentally because I wanted to become a provider. But I was always looking for ways. I was always an ambitious go-getter, hustler, and the fact that you know I had a son it just made me want to become a, a better provider for my family. So what I ended up doing was I ended up working at um, State Street Bank. I got that through a program that I did called Year Up, which is a program here in the city of Boston and around the, the US, basically helping inner city students to build a career from high school through college. It's like that career gap that there is. So I took a one-year intensive training program in, fin in FinOps, and they put me in a in an internship program at State Street Bank, which is a, a large bank here um, in the U.S. So I ended up working there. I was a bilingual client service specialist, so I worked with their Latin American clients. Mind you, my Spanish was horrible at the time, so you can only imagine. Like I was really, really struggling to just speak to the clients. But I made it happen. You know, I had my Spanish English dictionary and I made it work. Um, and that's one thing about me. You give me something, I'm going to make it happen no matter what. So I was very ambitious. Um, that ambition actually got me to the next level really quickly within the bank. So I actually got promoted after a year and a half um, to asset management. And then a year and a half after that, I got promoted again to wealth management. Now, corporate was a new experience for me. And it was very scary and challenging in the beginning because I didn't have a college degree. So I always felt inferior to everybody, but I always, always uh, was looking for ways to learn, get educated, take advantage of all the uh, trainings that they had. I spoke to all the vice presidents in the company. I wasn't afraid to speak to people. And that's what really helped uh, grow my career. And then eventually I transitioned into JP Morgan, where I became a compliance service officer uh, for two years. Now, that was like my beginnings as far as like where I started and how I got into corporate. I did end up going cold turkey. Um, I was investing into cryptocurrency uh, back in 2017. So I got in at a great time and I turned an investment of 5,000 into $50,000. So that investment alone helped me really build a little cushion that I needed to give me the um, to give me what I needed to basically leave my job and start a new venture. So I ended up getting into uh, the restaurant business, uh, which is a whole separate segment. But in regards to real estate, one thing that I did do was I liquidated my 401k. I took out 50% of my 401k. And I was able to use that to purchase my first property in Massachusetts, which was a duplex. Mm -hmm. I did end up house hacking it after one year using an FHA loan. Um, you are able to rent it out. So I lived in it for one year um, and then just rent it out both. 
after that period went away. And then that's when I learned how to become a landlord. And that was a whole experience because Massachusetts is a tenant friendly state. So it's, it's really tough to evict tenants here. It can take anywhere between three to six months. But I'll leave it at that for now because that's where my real estate kind of journey starts. So let me know how you want me to take it. Yeah, yeah, no. And dude, it's uh, it's really interesting that you were able, like starting out right at the age of 20 with a kid and then making that decision of, you know what, like I'm going to go into corporate America. Uh, I know that a lot of people um, may have felt similar of how you have felt a little bit when you begin to compare others being like, Hey, I don't have a degree, but my coworkers do have it. Uh, but you didn't let that stop you. And that's, that's one thing that's really important, uh, because other people would have been, Oh, I am not enough. And I don't think that, that I belong here. Uh, but of course you have excel in so many different ways. So kudos to you on that end. Um, and then number two, so you were able to buy your first property, as a as a house hack um did did you learn that from from anybody or did you just see the opportunity uh because a lot of people don't really think about it that way but i don't know if you just like were like why can other tenants pay me i have my family and go from there so when i was in the program the year up program they exposed me to a lot of um self-help books and mm. really financial literacy right this is something yeah. that i didn't learn in school but this program taught me and one of the books that I read was The Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is infamous. Yes, and that's what, that's what really got my, my brain kind of thinking outside the box because I had an idea of what real estate was, but I mm -hmm. didn't even, I knew it very so surface level. I didn't know how deep it went until now that I, even now I'm learning a lot more and how deeper you can go. But that's what really got me into like, okay, how can I start investing? How can I start building wealth? These were all new terms for me. Um, mm. So to me, it was basically taking that and then taking action. One of my uh, good friends at the time, he actually told me, hey, you know, you can use your 401k as a down payment and you don't have to pay any penalties. He's like, do you have a 401k? I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I've been I've been doing that since I started back in 20, 2010 at the time. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to 2016, 2017, I had saved up over 20 $25,000. So I was able to use, uh, I think it was like $13,000. And I used that as a down payment. And then I used some of the crypto money that I had earned to kind of help me um, do some minor re remodeling, renovations, buy furniture and things of that nature. But that's what really got me into like starting off and learning how to become a landlord and learning more about investing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's really cool. And for, for the audience here, um, that may not know a hundred percent. So house hacking is where you buy a duplex, triplex, or quadplex. You can live on one side, rent out the others, and uh, you can do it with an FHA loan, which is three and a half percent down. You can also do the same thing with a house, live in the master and rent out the other rooms. And the cool part is that you have tenants that are paying down your mortgage. And that gives you an opportunity to, number one, get experience right away, which is what what you did, Roberto, in, uh, in being able to see, okay, do I like being a landlord? Do I not like being a landlord? Do I like real estate or not really? Um, but at the end of the day, it gets you to buy an asset. And 
it was really cool that you took advantage of the 401k uh, because at the end of the day, uh, not many people know that you can liquidate part of your 401k or you can also get a loan from your 401k and um, and be able to use that to buy a property. So it's really cool that you, that you were able to do that with three and a half percent down. And so that got you started to your first one. What happened next in your real estate journey? Oh man, so I went into, into the restaurant industry and one of my customers had a shirt that said, I buy houses cash. Mm. So obviously me being me, I asked him, I'm like, oh, you're a millionaire or something? Like, how does this work? Like you just buy houses cash. He gave me like a, you know, a holistic overview of what he does and it, it caught my attention. So I basically told me he had a coaching program and it, it was like $8,000, but I ended up taking the course because I thought it was a very interesting and I wanted to learn more about real estate. So the, the mentor basically taught me more about investing and flipping and how that whole process works, how you use hard money lenders, private investors, so that you're not out of pocket completely and you're leveraging other people's money to basically take on your own projects and buy houses, um, add value to them and then sell them for a profit. So when I mm -hmm. understood that concept, that's when I was like, okay, this is the next thing I wanna get into. This is gonna be a game changer. Prior to that, I did get into private lending um private lending was just me lending out money that i earned from the crypto and earning interest it was a learning experience i don't recommend anybody to do it unless they have a real estate attorney look at the contracts because i did almost lose a lot of money because uh, for many reasons i didn't protect my money um and i always tell people to do four things if they're ever thinking about doing a private lending one is to get a promissory note and have a uh, real estate attorney review the promissory note to get a personal guarantee. Uh, they want to get a personal guarantee directly from the individual that they are lending the money to. Um, they also want to have um, a, become a beneficiary under the insurance. And if they're possible, depending on how much money you put, but to get a first or second mortgage on the property. These are just liens that basically collateralize your investment so that the investor cannot sell the property unless they have your consent. So it gives you control. So I never invest into real estate unless I have at least three to four of those things to protect my best interest in a deal. So that's very important. And that's what I got into uh, when I made the money with cryptocurrency. I, was, I became a private lender. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did have good deals after that um, where I worked with other investors that they were doing fix and flips. And I did earn, you know, good interest on my money just by lending it out. Um, so I did that. And then when I got into flipping, I basically just learned the whole process from start to finish, how to find a deal, how to fund a deal, how to fix it and how to flip it. Um, four very important um, different tactics that you want to learn so that you get a holistic view, a full view of what you're going to be doing, because a lot of flippers get burnt because they either don't know what they're doing or they don't have the right partners or they just overpay for the property or they underestimate their construction costs. There's a lot of that that goes on. There's a lot of programs that, you know, try to sell you on, oh, fix and flip. It's easy. It's, you know, everybody wants to hear the word easy and it can be done quickly, make money fast. Mm -hmm. 
These are just words that catch your attention. That's why they say it. But by no means is real estate investing easy. There are mm -hmm. systems that can help you do it the right way, yes, but it will never be easy. And even with those systems, you're always going to have challenges. The key yeah. is to have a mindset of I'm a problem solver and have a problem solving mindset. Because once the challenges come, you're going to have to figure out how to overcome them as they come, um, regardless of the systems that you have in place. So it's very important. So learning how to flip for me was huge. I wanted to learn first what to do. And then, of course, taking action. Because you can learn, read all the books that's available, listen to all these podcasts. But again and again, I tell people you can learn and learn and learn. But if you don't take action, you're not going to get anywhere with what you're learning. So don't be afraid. You're only afraid because you don't have the confidence or the education to move you. Because once you learn the game or once you learn what you need to learn, there's really no reason for you not to continue because there's so much potential that you can make and so much that you can earn. So it's really important that you actually take action on those steps and partner with the right people or have the right mentorship so that you guys can actually learn and do things on your own and eventually build your own um, business. You know, I always recommend starting out, do a joint venture, work with somebody who has money or work with somebody who has the experience. Never work with somebody who doesn't have any experience because you're just going to be two people that are going to lose and are going to not make any money or struggle more than you need to because one does not have the other and you guys are going to split nothing at the end of the day. So be very careful with who you partner with as well. But the whole flipping, that was just something that I learned. And then I got into flipping and then I started doing flipping on my own. Yeah. And and so with dude, you gave a lot of great content here, especially the four different parts, right? Of the flipping, you mentioned you find the deal, you fund the deal, fix it, and then you sell it, right? The flip it. Yeah. So the so the four different F's to um to a flip, to a successful flip. Um, so one of the things, so in the beginning, you mentioned the importance of partnering with somebody, right? And one of the things that I call it too, I call it your unfair advantage, similar to what you're saying. You have your experience, the money, the time, the knowledge, the network, all of that stuff. There's different parts, but you want to make sure that when you partner somebody, you complement each other. That is really important. So then um, in working with your first couple of JVs or when you went out on your, on your own, um, how was that process? How, how did you find the deal and fund the deal? Let's say. So the first deal that I found was through a real estate agent who had an off market property. So a lot of the deals that you're finding when it comes to flipping houses, you typically want them to be off market. Now it's important to keep in mind when they come through a wholesaler, the wholesaler is going to charge a fee. Sometimes that fee or the price point may be more than you should be paying. So you want to make sure the, the you're getting a good purchase price even with the fee included right mm -hmm. so the deal is in the purchase price if you overpay for that property you're going to lose immediately as soon as you sign those documents forget about it it's a, it's a lost deal because you overpaid for that deal so the real estate agent had an off-market property with a wholesaler that she connected with but the numbers did make sense for me and there's different ways for the deal to make sense um either whether you're keeping construction costs low 
So you're either joint venture with a general contractor, as an example, and they keep the cost low, or you're just um, adding value to the home. So you're forcing appreciation. So like for an example, what I mean by that is if you have a single family home, you're either adding square footage, adding ba bath bathrooms or adding bedrooms um, to increase the value. So to me, it was a value add home. So this property that I had was a two family. We converted it back to a one family because in that market, it made sense. So it was a three bedroom, two bathroom. We converted it to a five bedroom, three and a half bathroom, including a master suite. Wow. So it was, that was the play on it. And the way I kind of joint ventured it was I had my mentor who was also a real estate agent. He was helping me through the process. He kind of um, held my hand in a way, but I would let him sell the house once it's done. So then he would earn the commission and he would get paid from that check. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's how me and him worked it out. And what part. did, so you were the one that brought that, what was your position on that first flip? I found the deal. I got the funding for the deal. I got the hard money lender. Granted, it was through his network. Mm -hmm. And I got the private investors as well. And I was basically the project manager or GC for the for the whole well, project manager, I would say, for the entire project. So I managed the whole project. Um, okay. I designed it as well. I came up with the designs. But he was oh, cool. more like a mentoring, like guiding me through the process, like, hey, we should convert this to a five, we should add mm -hmm. another bedroom, um, let's add value to this home, and let's keep it. Um, long story short, it did go over budget, but mm -hmm. it was, and it was during COVID, but it was mm -hmm. a, a huge learning experience. I was able to, to, to be profitable, which, which is a huge win. And to my benefit, the prices of the homes also appreciated. So when mm -hmm. we originally, I ran the numbers for the home. We expected to sell it for six fifty based off comps. Once it was done that following year, because it took twelve months, comps were selling well over seven hundred, seven fifty. So mm -hmm. we ended up selling it for seven seventy five. So we bought it for three twenty. We invested about two hundred and twenty five thousand. The reason being was because it was a full gut renovation. That's another thing I don't recommend first time flippers to do a full gut renovation because it's a lot um if they can do cosmetic work you know just painting we're doing the kitchens we're doing the bathrooms it's easier but i feel like i got the full experience and mm -hmm. i got the experience in the big leagues because massachusetts is big on inspections mm -hmm. so things that can pass in other states like midwest or maybe down south will not pass here so for an example i had a kitchen cabinet that was 17 and a half inches from the stove by code in massachusetts it has to be 18 inches above the stove so when the inspector went he literally took a measuring tape mm -hmm. and measured it and it was like this needs to be lifted up half an inch it was that strict wow so okay when i tell you i've been through like yeah really really intense inspectors i've been through it and it it's insane like oh they really need you to be up to code here. And it depends because you can have good experience with an inspector and a bad experience. Mm -hmm. Some are going to give you easy time. Some are going to give you a hard time. For some reason, mine had mm -hmm. to give me hard times. So there was a lot of things that I had to deal with, but it was a great learning experience regardless. Yeah. 
um, because I just got the full circle. Like the next level for me is going to be new development. And that's mm-hmm. just starting from scratch. Cause that home was literally to the bones that I, I started it and I built it with love. And yeah. Passion. No, and that, that, that sounds, I mean, being involved with a flip for a year, it's definitely commitment. It's a lot of, uh, carrying costs too, that a lot of people may not take into consideration, right? Because you're paying, you're paying interest uh, or or at least you're getting interest, whether you pay it monthly, quarterly, or at the end, uh, you're accruing interest. And also what people sometimes don't put into their numbers is utilities, insurance that can add up if they're not careful. So, uh, so it's really important to run your numbers the right way. Um, to make sure that there's no surprises. Were there were there any other surprises that that came up either during the inspections or maybe something that um, that you had gotten one bid, but it was way more? Um, yeah, there was a whole bunch. Uh, there was a whole bunch that honestly was full of surprises. Um, I even at one point the, the um, here in Massachusetts it gets very cold and we hit negative uh, degrees. The pipes ended up bursting when I first bought it. So like literally the oh, whole man. first floor was was flooded. Um, but literally I literally had to do everything brand new. It was it was like brand, from the studs. Um wow. the framing, like literally what was crazy was during COVID, the price of lumber had inflated so much. It was like two, two to three dollars for like a two by four. Each one ended up being like nine to ten dollars. Uh, just for a two by four. So you can imagine my my budget inflated. I personally feel like I got very lucky because of the price homes. The price of homes also increased. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely like one of those experiences that I don't regret. I learned a lot. I would do a lot of things different uh, mm-hmm. moving forward. And I would have done it a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it took me 12 months, you know, I did pay a lot of holding costs and that ate into my profits. Had I gotten it done in like the eight months that I would have, I would have profited more. But there was a lot of things that I didn't know that ended up delaying um, the time, especially during the beginning with the demolition. Yeah. The demolition contractors didn't pull permits on time. So I was waiting for them like weeks and I lost almost a month and a half just waiting for them to realize that they didn't even request permits from the city department. So. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. definitely, uh, definitely learning experience. But I always recommend yeah. work with licensed contractors at all times. Yes. Like it's it's key, um, and yes. that's really going to save you headaches. As um, that's one of the things that for real estate investors, whether they're flipping or doing a couple of renovations before they're putting the home on the market, just updating maybe a kitchen. Um, what what has been your experience like? What's been the lessons learned and, and tips that people should do, that investors or flippers should do when either working to find a general contractor or finding subcontractors? Because I know contractors is one of the hardest things to deal with. Um, and yeah, what what will be some tips that you will give? Yeah, I mean, contractors are tough. I mean, the first one, you want to you make sure that they are highly recommended or highly referred um you also want to make sure that they are licensed and insured um those are major major i will not look at any contractor unless they have that um i typically scout my contractors of people that are already working so like if i go and i'm driving and i see like a painter or if i see a roofer or if i see a house being worked on i'll take a photo of the company car or the the shirts because i know that they're active they're busy 
and then I'll look up their website and I'll see if they have any bad reviews or good reviews. So typically I'll look for like at least solid five-star reviews and see and make sure that they have a good track record um, because that'll decrease the chances of somebody, you know, committing fraud or uh, mm -hmm. doing bad work or not being licensed because you never want to go with the cheapest. You want to go with somebody who's in the middle or even pay the premium because when you go cheap, too cheap, it'll cost you almost double. And that's something that either you learn by me telling you or you're going to learn on your own the hard way. So be yeah. very careful. It sounds good and lucrative in the beginning, but it will it will bite you in the long run if you don't if you're not cautious. Yeah, and what are how do you pay your contractors or what what has worked well for you because I know you're also you flipped in Massachusetts, but I believe you also flipped in Ohio. Um so what what do you think has worked best when paying contractors? Yeah, so I always do a payment schedule and I'm always upfront with them and make sure that we are on point with everything. You need to have clear communication and you need to be have everything documented with your contractors. So there's never any gray area like, oh, you're supposed to pay me for this or you're supposed to pay me for that or that wasn't included. Mm -hmm. I'm very straightforward. They give me the scope of work. I'll give them the scope of work, what needs to be done. They'll break everything down, either labor and materials or just labor. And then based off that, I will never pay more than 50% deposit. I try to always pay at least 30, 33%. Um, okay. and pay and do payments in threes. Or if I do pay a 50%, then I'll do 50% then 25 and 25. The way I do it is I'll do a deposit. They'll do their work. They'll get the, um, they'll get the rough inspection. Mm -hmm. Once they do the rough inspection and they pass, I'll pay them their other 25%. Okay. Then once they do the final inspection and they pass a hundred percent by the bill, uh, the, building inspector or the inspector for that particular mechanical, then I'll pay them the final payment and I'll have them sign a final lien waiver. So I'm gonna repeat that. Sign a final lien waiver. What is that? It's a document that you can have and request from a real estate attorney or you can find online. But it basically states that you paid your contractor in full. So if for any reason they say that you didn't pay them or that you didn't pay them in full, because you have that final lien waiver signed by them, it basically uh, protects you from them putting any liens on the property. Liens on the property is when they basically state that you didn't pay them and then you cannot sell that house unless that lien is taken care of in court or paid off in full. So that's a way to protect you and the home so that you don't have any delays on selling the home when it comes time to sell. Um, and then never pay more than 50%. Never pay full. Let me start with that. Never pay full price in uh, as a deposit. If the, the minute somebody's like, no, you need to pay me 100%, um, and then I'll work on it, and I'll work on it this week. No, never do that. That's a red flag because they can take your money and run. And it's happened, mm -hmm. especially out of, out of states and, and different areas. Like you need to – you always pay no more than 50%. Try to pay 33%. And then that's how you start working, but always have a payment schedule in place. Yeah, that's that's really good, especially what you said in the beginning of how you find contractors. That's really creative, being able to like to go to to some of the sites already, or or even one one of the things too that that has worked um, with with me in the past is going to Home Depot at like six in the morning. Yeah, people that are out right there hustling, working bright and early, you know. 
uh, those are the ones that are out there hustling. So, so that's really good. Um, and then of course the payment schedule, that's something that is that is important so that they don't run away with your money. Uh, you have a, you have, you also have a way to check their work. And if they do mess up, it's like, I'm not going to pay you until you correct the work or you do it right. All right. So, you so, want leverage at all times. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how has it been? Because uh, I know you live in Boston. How has it been managing your projects uh, in Ohio since you're out of state? Because a lot of people might say, I cannot flip if I am, mm -hmm. uh, if if I'm not there, if I'm not the boots on the ground or whatever. How how has that worked for you? Yeah, I mean, there's always challenges with anything. I'm not gonna say that you know everything's going perfect and, and whatnot. There's always challenges, right? But you want to mm -hmm. have somebody that you can trust and somebody that can be your eyes. So you want to have those boots on the ground. So building a relationship with a either handyman or general contractor or even a property management company that's investor friendly is going to be key in investing out of state. Ohio, I always say I've only been there twice. One was to go build my team. And then two was to basically get the property managers when I closed on six units and got me to 11 properties. Um, so I don't tell people that I'm always flying out there. I mean, you can if you want to, but... I don't have the time or the need to, you know, I've built out my team there um, and they're the ones managing everything out there. When you have the property managers a little bit easier, if you have a good property manager, let me, let me clear that. Um, if you have a good property manager, that's taking care of your property, managing the tenants the way you're supposed to managing the maintenance orders, that's key. But before I buy any of the properties out there, I always have a trusted general contractor go review the property, and see what needs to be fixed with the house. So me, I try not to spend more than 15 to 20 grand on the on the property because we're finding houses for like cheap, like 20, 30, 40,000. Mm -hmm. But I don't want those houses that need like a full gut renovation because that's not something that I'm willing to deal with. Mm -hmm. However, I am willing to deal with like cosmetic if I got to do the bathroom, the kitchen, um, minor maintenance work. You know, that to me is fine because it's within the budget and it keeps um it keeps my numbers to make sense for the cash flow that i'm looking to get from that particular uh home yeah so it's very important to to look but the, you want to always look at the, the main um high ticket items which are like the foundations the roof the heating system the plumbing and the electrical all the mechanical systems you really want to make sure that those are in solid condition or have been fixed or are fairly new because if not, that's what's going to cost you money in the long term. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to make sure that those high ticket items are in good condition so that you're not coming thousands of dollars out of pocket for your property. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with the um, especially with um, like those high ticket items, at least be aware that yeah. uh, that you can that you have a budget for them if you know that you're going to need to replace them. Right. Yeah. If, the, if the AC is 20 years old, be like, okay, I'm just going to put a new one in. So, yeah. So, and then Roberto, you mentioned too, that you've been finding properties for $30,000, $40,000 to flip. Um, how have you been finding those deals? Because a lot of people would say, I cannot find deals that cheap. Yes. Yeah, so it all depends on the market that you're looking for. Obviously in Massachusetts, you're not going to find any, not even a garage for 20, 30 grand. <laughs> for real. But um, so basically, I have either boots on the ground, other real estate agents, 
um, or I'll have wholesalers coming out to me that I've connected with that are basically bringing me deals. So I'll give them like a buy box, the buy box being like specific zip codes and specs on the house. Like, hey, I'm looking for a single family in 02131 or I'm looking for multi-units in 02136. So that's basically, I'll give them my buy box, my buying criteria, mm -hmm. and if they find them, locate them, then they'll send them my way. I'll review them. We'll underwrite them. And if it makes sense for us, we'll under um, we'll get the funding for the property and make it happen. So we'll close on the deal. But okay. that's how we're doing it. We're uh, real estate agents, boots on the grounds, um, other wholesalers, or even property managers will come across other deals as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. And um, one thing that that I do want to talk about that you mentioned earlier, because you you have now around 10, 10 properties, um, or or more actually. Um, I know that back in what was it like twenty twenty one, you and I had a Zoom call, and you told me Diego, my goal is to buy ten properties in one year, and I was like, all right, it's totally doable. We just have to work backwards. So we analyze the market, the deals, how you will get funding. Uh, can you share a little bit on how you've been able to grow your portfolio to 10 properties in Ohio? Um, and then, of course, later we're going to talk about how you're investing now in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So the first four properties, I actually have a partner that I connected with through Instagram. We had a connection because we both had Dominican restaurants. Um, so we just hit it off from there and we just built a solid relationship to the point where we're like, Hey, we should invest in other things. I was talking to him about uh, real estate cause I had met you as well. And I wanted to, you know, venture off into, into restaurant business. Cause one thing I did learn was that you want to build a cash producing a cash cow, uh, business, uh, whatever it is, a business or W2 and then take that funding and then invest it into real estate. You know, that's the tactic that we've learned that millionaires do. And that's how they build their wealth. So I, he was basically on board with that. So we ended up buying for the properties cash. Um, this was cash that we had from the restaurants saved up. And we bought them like at 20, I think it was at the time, 20,000 a piece um, for the homes. And we invested probably like 15 to 20 grand in renovations. Uh, so we were all in trying to keep it under 40, 50 grand to be all in on these four homes. Um, and that's how we got started with the four properties. When it came to the six properties, it was actually our contractor who has a whole bunch of properties that he bought even cheaper. It was like, mm -hmm. he told me what, this, his cheapest house was $50. So wow. I was like, like, like this guy, like he really just went all in and just bought properties. Like he would renovate them themselves. Um, but he would find like deals that were like $5,000 or less. Like he would buy them from the, the city. Uh, a lot of them were like delinquent or tax, had tax liens on them and he was just buying them. Um, but you fast forward, he ended up wanting to sell us 10. So we were supposed to buy originally 10. What happened is that banks don't want to lend on properties that are worth under 50,000. So four of the properties that got appraised did not appraise over 50. They were worth like 30, 40 grand. So we were not able to put it into the blanket loan. So a blanket loan is, it has different terms. Also like a portfolio loan, 
And that's basically when you group up houses together and put them all under one loan and have one mortgage instead of having six different loans and six different mortgages. That's how that worked. So we appraised the properties and they appraised for, I think, about $340,000, $350,000. We negotiated the deal with the seller to $275,000 for all six. So there was a little gap there. Um, that gap, we were able to do what uh, what's called a second home loan, a second lien. So the owner put a second lien on the property, but we were able to use that as a down towards eighty thousand dollar down payment because out of that three forty, we had to put about twenty percent down uh, plus closing costs. It came up to like eighty grand. So we took that fifty grand, and he was able to put it towards the down payment of what we were supposed to put down for the 20. So me and my partner only had to come up with 35,000. Wow. So between me and him, we split that. It was like about 16 to 17 grand that we put in both of us, um, give or take. And we were able to close on that deal. It did take a long time. It took months to get the appraisals, mm -hmm. uh, took months to go through the financing and, and everything. But we were very, very persistent. And we were just looking for any ways to make it work. And we made it happen because we were persistent and we found the right lender. And we they, we just found somebody that was willing to work with us. So that really yeah. helped us like build that portfolio um, and really understand like Ohio. So now like we won't buy properties that will appreciate for under 50 grand because we know that it's going to be hard to do like a cash out refi. Mm -hmm. uh, or even put a blanket loan on them. So we also want to make sure that we don't buy properties that have like an ARV of under 50. So we buy yeah. properties that can be worth 50 plus. Dang. Okay. Dude, you've done a lot. I mean, from uh, from from everything. And I remember telling you about the, the blanket loan opportunity because you were saying, how can we get all this financing? I'm like, you do, you're going to have to get creative on this because it's totally doable. And then you just took the creativity even to the other level with getting a getting even the seller to carry a second lien so that you could buy properties with freaking you said like seventeen thousand dollars. I mean between you plus your partner each, uh, but buying a portfolio of six properties. That's awesome. That was awesome. insane, man. It's nice yeah. to you because you like honestly, like it's the education aspect, right? Like mm -hmm. I would have never done the deal because you I would have, I didn't know anything about blanket loans. I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about second liens and like, you know, now I'm learning about seller financing, but it's like, because I'm involved in in these masterminds, like the FI investors, for an example, and I'm connecting with people that have the education, you know, now I feel more confident, more and more confident each deal. And you see opportunities that other people may not see because they don't have the experience or the education mm -hmm. um, on how to actually do it. So to me, that's to your point, like, you need to be surrounded with people that are smarter than you. You need to ask the right questions and take action. Yes. And don't be afraid of, sh of sharing what your goals are, right? Because if, if you wouldn't have told me, if you, if you thought that the only limit for you was two properties or maybe three in one year, um, you would have gotten that answer, right? But because you told me I want to buy 10 or like, I want to get my portfolio to 10, how do I do it? Then and then we asked about the market and we basically did like a hot seat session and uh and was able to plan it out, 
and talked about the right strategies and get creative on with a blanket loan and all of that stuff. So that's awesome. Now, um, in talking now, switching markets, uh, I know uh, that one of your latest deals is the house in Puerto Rico, the villa. Um, dude, whenever we went to Puerto Rico, well, when, whenever I met you, that was the first time I ever went to Puerto Rico in 2021, and I fell in love with the island. It was freaking amazing. Uh, we toured, we went to the beach, salsa dancing, everything. Um, but one one of the main things was uh, talking about real estate too. We, there was opportunity there and I just bought my dream condo there. You've bought your villa there, of course, with partners too. Um, but uh, but yeah, tell tell us a little bit about uh, about that deal, how you found it, and how you funded it too. So Puerto Rico is an interesting market. It's not as advanced um, online as it is in the United States. So like to have MLS and whatnot, and then wholesalers are really looked down upon out there. So it's more like direct to owner. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually found the listing on Craigslist and through Craigslist was when I initiated the conversation with the homeowner. Originally he wanted $350,000 for the property. Um, but after, you know, the due diligence and, and really analyzing that property, it didn't appraise for that. It actually appraised for only 180,000 in the condition that was, it was in with the bank. So my original play on that was to try to get a second home loan. Um, and then try to put 10% down, but even at the negotiated price of 275 with the, the homeowner, the bank still found it too expensive compared to the, um, appraisal report that we had on the deal. So the bank didn't fund it. So in Puerto Rico, cash is king. And again, like when you have a problem, you look for the solution. And again, I'm very persistent when I want something or I set my mind to something, I get it. And you need to have that mentality with everything, bro. Mm -hmm. So it did took me over a year to really put this deal together. Um, and with your help, obviously, like you really got my mind thinking like, okay, well, if I can't buy it through the bank, how can I raise the capital to do this? And how can I um, put this deal together? And I remember having these phone calls with you um, kind of guiding me through the, the whole process of how to either raise private, uh, private capital or uh, private equity. And then when I first pitched the deal, I was looking just to, um, to get private lenders and pay them an interest. But then we found out that, Hey, you know, people actually are interested in Puerto Rico and they want to be equity partners. So then we put the deal together as far as like equity goes. So I basically calculated the renegotiated price. I got it down to 200,000 for the property. Mind you, the property, just to give some back ends on what the property looks like, is beautiful right to say to, to keep it to keep it yeah simple. it's a beautiful villa and it's 20 it's in carolina which is 20 minutes away from the airport um but it's a million dollar view in my opinion and when you go there it's like in the mountains but it's when you look out in the horizon like you literally see the ocean you see the city you see the mountains you can see five different cities of Puerto Rico just from that one location. And what sold it to me was not only the view, but the land. It came mm -hmm. on two acres of land. And when I started analyzing, Paul actually helped me a lot on this. Um, and I have to thank him for that. He put the Price Labs numbers together 
we was like, okay, how can does it make sense? Because I didn't want to be emotionally tied to this property because I felt like I was. Mm-hmm. Like I fell in love. And it was like love at first sight, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I made sure that the numbers made sense above all, right? Because you can fall mm-hmm. in love with a property, but if the numbers don't make sense, you cannot make an emotional decision. It always has to be logical when it comes to real estate, especially. And to bring investors, you really have to make sure that your numbers were on point. So when we ran our numbers, like conservatively, not even aggressively, we're looking at almost $450 per night, even at 65% occupancy. You're looking at anywhere between six, um, six to, to $10,000 a month on the property via Airbnb. And to me, those numbers are very realistic because you're going to get like a small bedroom in San Juan, for an example, for like three, four, five hundred dollars a night. So imagine a whole seven bedroom, two bathroom villa with a pool, an acre of land and that amazing view for only four fifty a night. I don't even think it's going to stay at four fifty a night, but we're going to test test it out when we start it. Mm-hmm. And then through your mastermind, I also got the contractor, the general contractor, Javier who's an amazing individual who's has experience with Airbnbs, has experience with general contracting, flipping and doing renovations. He was, he's been a key member in this whole renovation process Mm -hmm. and putting this deal together. I felt so confident with him and he's done such an amazing job and he's moving really fast. So when we put the deal together, got the equity partners, I even had the equity partners reach out to you just to validate, you know, my yeah. credibility. Um, yeah. Shout out to Eddie. Um, Eddie Ramos was an amazing a partner. But he had to, you know, obviously make sure that I was legit, that I wasn't just uh, this random guy from from your mastermind and just coming up with numbers. Like, you, you gave me that credibility, and I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm so confident in this deal. Like, I'm just going to make it work. And there's so many different exit strategies in case something goes wrong. There's so many different um, ways to generate revenue. This value add with the land so that we can even make more money after that home is stabilized and re- rehabbed. I'm just so confident in that deal. And like we raised over a quarter million dollars for the deal um, and we're making it happen. We're almost done with our renovations. It's going to take another month or two. But Dude, like, I can't even, like, I'm going to timestamp this. Like, it's yeah. it, it's such an amazing, it's going to be such an amazing Airbnb. Like, if I don't get Bad Bunny or somebody famous there, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I have visions for this property, man. Like, yeah, I want it to, I want it to go viral on social media. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and it will. It will. Because Javier is doing an amazing job. The view is amazing. And, uh, dude, and we've... W- we saw it while we were at the mastermind in Puerto Rico and uh, and then we were just there with we, we also recorded some content the pool is freaking amazing like it's just just everything everything so i'm super excited for you and huge shout out to uh, for you to take action you know cuz you're living in boston um in the cold right <laughs> no but but for sure uh but but for sure um being able to invest in other cities and having that trust, right? That's why trusted partners is so important, especially your boots on the ground. So shout out to 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 Javier for that. And um, dude, so I'm very excited for you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Uh, you've dropped so much knowledge 
And I also have to thank you too, because um, I remember we were in Puerto Rico, we were on a run and it was you, you and Paul and I, and we were running and I I mentioned, dude, one day I'm going to do a mastermind in Puerto Rico. I don't know how. And you told me, you guys were like, we know that you're going to do it. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure out when. And I think like four months later, we were there in Puerto Rico with everybody. So it was it was amazing. And uh, so, yeah, so huge shout out to to you as well for believing in that idea, what started as a conversation Uh Show, uh, put it into fruition with everything. So super excited about that. And you are you're half Puerto Rican, right? Too, or f yeah, yeah or, I'm, half, I'm yeah. Puerto Rican and Guatemalan. Yeah. When people see me, they think I'm Dominican or Arabic. So I'm <laughs> Puerto Rican, I swear. Yeah. So half Puerto Rican. So so that's awesome. In investing there in your roots. So so that's cool. And uh, well, dude, I know that you have given, as I mentioned, a lot of knowledge. Uh, you are also a flipping coach. So where where can people reach out to you if they want to, if they have questions, right, on flipping, on buying properties, maybe in raising capital in the future. Uh, but where where can people reach out to you and learn? Yeah, I'm I'm very accessible. All my information you can find on Instagram at Roberto Green Jr. and at Home Cash Buyers. But I'm more active on at Roberto Green Jr. because I'm trying to build a personal brand. But I do do mentoring. I do have a course on how to flip houses from start to finish <clears throat> where people can learn how to find the deal, fund the deal, fix the deal, and then flip the deal. I do interviews. Um, I actually have an interview with you yeah. um, as well. But I have interviews with general contractors, other flippers, other investors, architects, um, real estate agents, basically individuals that are going to be key components to your team. I interview them so that my students can have an understanding of what it is realistically on how to flip houses. You know, it's, I always say, I even start the videos with it's, it's not simple. It's not easy. It's not like a quick, um, get quick money scheme. But if you really want to make good income, there's a lot of potential with real estate investing. I've seen six figure checks just with real estate alone. And that's what really solidified me creating this course and my own mentoring program where people can get one-on-one -on -one mentorship with me. And we basically do Zoom calls, one-on-ones, just basically teaching them everything they need to learn on how to flip houses, even if they just want to wholesale, you know, how to make money through wholesaling. Um, they can go through my website, which is homecashbuyersacademy.com. Again, it's homecashbuyersacademy.com. And they can access the course or they can access the one-on-one -on -one mentorship. But I'm always available for like a one-on-one -on -one call if they want to have, if they have more questions, they want to get to know me. I'm very open. But my thing is take action because they're going to listen to your podcast. They're going to listen to other podcasts. Like I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. It sounds great. But like if you don't take action and actually call me, actually go to my website, actually reach out to me. Like me and you, for example, we're, we're full of so much knowledge and information, but people are so afraid to reach out and it mm -hmm. bothers me because they need to take that leap of faith and really venture out because look how much they're going to learn. So mm -hmm. to me, I'm, I'm here to I do the same thing you do. I'm here to help people. I want to see people grow. I want to teach people what I've learned 
because I want to see people grow and succeed in real estate and just in their lives alone. So very accessible. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you've been part of five investors too. And you've, you've, you've taken action on everything. That's one of the cool parts. And that's why I wanted to, to, um, I wanted to, you to share the story because it's super inspirational, uh, because other people would have, would have not taken action, uh, based on the situation that they're in, uh, or created excuses, right? Uh, but you did not. So, Roberto, thank you very much for your time today. I am super excited that that we're able to share your story. I know it's going to inspire a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are going to be wanting to flip, right? And then, but the main thing is taking action. So, uh, thank you for your time, and I look forward to seeing you in Puerto Rico at some point. I know that you're also going to be coming to the mastermind that we're going to have here in Austin in September for your birthday. So, we're going to be celebrating your birthday and being and uh, learning and everything here uh, with the Five Investors Mastermind in September 7th through the 10th uh, here in Austin, Texas. So, uh, bro, thank you very much for your time, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Fi Investors Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And share this with a fellow real estate investor who you think would find value in what we do. Until next time.